All right. Andrew. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever done an intro. You want to do it? Okay. If it sounds all right. I don't know how my voice sound really congested. You're fine. <clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of Things You Missed right, in Sunday you're, School. You're way too close. <laughs> Am I too close? All right. How's this? Welcome back to... <laughs> That pause just killed me. <laughs> I had All right, to try to again. Welcome! I had to find my lines. Welcome back to another episode of Things You Missed in Sunday School, where we talk about the lesser-known, obscure, but interesting stories from the Bible and church history. My name is Andrew, and with me today is Spencer. That's me. (laughs) And this is Ron. And we have compiled an exhaustive list of people, places, things, ideas, and events that we are going through one by one over the course of this series. This entry is number 98A on the list, entitled Christianity in the Revolutionary War. Uh, are either of you guys history people in school? Yeah, I liked it, but I—I I mean, I'm, I, I liked history. I made good grades in history, but I wouldn't say I'm a buff. What was your What was your big, best class? Uh, history was history probably was my, yeah, it class. was my best class. So your best sure. class. Okay. I remember uh, you're you're gonna find this hard to believe, but government. My senior year, I actually got 106 percent. My senior year, wow, in government. So That's impressive. It, well, I, I don't. I still don't know how it happened. Yeah, but yeah, it was, I, I do like history a lot. Andrew, is that okay. same with you? I liked history. Surprisingly, any time that we were not talking about war, I didn't do very well. But for some reason, the war parts always stuck with me. Just the wars. So like, nice. pre- anything pre-Civil War was not my best. But after that, you know, the knowledge started picking up, started, you know, using the brain a little bit more. Gotcha. Yeah. The grades His- went up. History was def- is definitely and was definitely my favorite subject in school. I was just always really good at it. I, I guess just memorizing dates and stuff like that. Solving like mathematical problems wasn't my forte, but when you get history, like it's just for me, history is just it is what it is. You know, like yep. it's just a memorization of facts, which is usually the deal breaker or the deal maker for some people. Yeah. They they hate just memorizing facts or they love memorizing facts, and uh, that would be for me too. I uh, when you said you got 106 in government, my senior no my junior year, I had American history, right. and it's the only class in high school that I, I got above 100 percent as well. Yeah. Like I wow. just I loved it, and uh, and it was a lot of fun uh, too. Yeah, because it's just that's just my that's my strongest subject too. My plan for myself, okay, before I let the Lord have control of my life. Oh, okay. Uh, my plan for myself was to go to school and be a history teacher and a basketball coach. Really? That was what I wanted. Because I wanted to be a history teacher too. So yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that was but always my dream. Lord had other plans. Yeah. Today's subject, well, I should say this past Monday was Memorial Day. And so in honor of that, we're doing an episode dealing with uh, Christianity in war, uh, more specifically Christianity in the Revolutionary War. I can still remember hearing the song God bless the USA. Yeah. Okay. And in that song, he says, and I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. Mm-hmm. And I can still remember specifically asking my mom, like, what is, what is that song talking about when it says like, like men who died, who gave that right to me? Like what specific war is that talking about where we went from being not free to free? And when she told me, Oh, you're, t- you're thinking of the American revolutionary war. That was the beginning of my just obsession or just love of history. I remember just just focusing so much on history uh, because of just that, that song and asking my mom about it. And so for those who don't know, 
the Revolutionary War began in 1775. We actually signed the Declaration of Independence in July of 1776, but the war had already been going on for over a year at that point. Right. The British surrendered in October of 1781 in uh, Yorktown, Virginia, but the Treaty of Paris, which officially ended the war, it wasn't signed until 1783. So the war was 1775 to 1783, and we're going to tell you some stories in this podcast. We're going to tell you some stories that deal with the Revolutionary War and somehow, in some way, tie in Christianity to it, whether it takes place near a church, deals with uh, ministers, or something like that. We just we we looked at the Revolutionary War and tried to find these lesser known stories that uh, deal with Christianity in one way or another. And I will start off. Good idea. Did you know that the Revolutionary War basically began in a church? I could see that. Isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was wrong. That's not the Revolutionary War. <laughs> no, not Revolution. Oh no, man, that, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this, uh, yeah, the Revolutionary War, basically, I will... Was I, it over the color of carpet? <laughs> or the kind of songs? <laughs> no, I'm so, that was or the wrong. kind of tie the pastor should wear? Yeah, or not wear. Or not wear. Yeah. Uh, no, it was not over that. Um, but this, uh, this war, basically, and people listening can't see that I just did air quotes, basically <laughs> started in a church. And uh, the church is called the Christ Church in the city of Boston. Okay, but it is better known as the Old North Church. Uh, it is. It was built in 1723, and it's Boston's oldest surviving church building, and it's the most visited historical site. And uh, all this information I'm about to say is 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 either straight from or paraphrased from their website. Um, before the war uh, of Revolutionary War, the majority of the congregation they were loyal to Britain, to the British king, mm -hmm. and many held official positions in the royal government in the you know in the colonies including the royal governor of Massachusetts <laughs> the king gave the the king king george III, even gave he loved this church so much he even gave this church the old north church its silver that was used at services and a bible okay so this was like the king's church is how some people looked at it okay, okay? and what makes this church famous is the events that happened on april 18th 1775 and right. this, this, this event, this fateful event, ignited the American Revolutionary War. So on that day, on April 18th, Boston was under British occupation by 4,500 troops under General Thomas Gage. And the, co the colonists and the soldiers, the tension there was at an all-time high. And this is, again, this is before the war. Right. So there's still some it's like... Kind of um, leading up to it. Yeah, there's yep. still some tensions and there's there's people who are like these militias that are trying to get guns and stuff like that. So Gage, General Gage, is going into the countryside little by little t trying to put out these little fires, basically. Mm -hmm. Like people who are collecting ammunition, ammunition, he's like, nope, I'm taking that to try to stop any kind of armed conflict. And so Gage hears about this ammunition that's being stockpiled in Concord, which is about 20-ish miles from Boston, right. where Gage is at. So he decides, I'm going to send 700 soldiers to get the weapons to just try to defuse the situation. Mm. However, Gage's plans were found out by the colonists because of this secret spy ring. George Washington had a super cool, I say super cool, totally retroactively, <laughs> I, it's super cool. Uh, there's a whole book written about it, but George Washington had this really 
neat, I guess, secret spy ring called the Sons of Liberty. Right. And uh, it and the Sons of Liberty, whoever they were, somehow found out about Gage's plan. In fact, there's a theory that it might have even been Gage's wife who gave away the plan. Right. Oh wow. Yeah. So they decided uh, the the colonists they decided to send their best two writers, William Dawes. And uh, the one and only Paul Revere, yeah. who, if you Google him, I, I just did this earlier today. If you Google Paul Revere, he looks spot on like Jack Black. That is just a, that, <laughs> is, that is so true. Uh, it's so hard to portray this as a podcast, but people, if so, so you are the actual Paul Revere, I mean, we have an actual we like, have a portrait painting of him. <laughs> portrait of him, not like uh, what we think Jesus might have looked like. No, 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 picture, no. We have an, an actual. actual Portrait Paul of Paul Revere, okay. yes. And if, if anyone's listening to this on their phone or whatever and you're not driving, you can keep listening to the podcast. Just go to your home button and, and just search Paul Revere and hit images, and you will think Jack Black has lived for 300 years. I'm going to do that. You so do you that while I'm talking. talking okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, William Dawes and Paul Revere, uh, they wanted to send them ahead of the British Army to warn the people in Concord. But Paul Revere came up with a plan to make sure the message got out of Boston, even if he couldn't. So Paul Revere, he enlisted the help of over 30 additional writers. He placed them across the river because uh, Boston is is inside kind of a peninsula at this point. Right. Um, and he put people on the other side of the river in Charleston or Charlestown, and he ordered the militia leaders to look to the steeple of the Old North Church every night for signal lanterns. And the, the number of lanterns that were lit would be the indication of how the British were going to leave Boston. One lantern meant they were going to leave on land, which this is so hard to say again unless you Google it. Boston has geographically changed so much. If you Google what Boston looked like back in the 1700s, <laughs> since then they have literally poured gravel and earth into the ocean to make Boston bigger. Wow. And so back then in the 1700s... So about the only thing that was the same was that Tom Brady was still the quarterback, right? Sure, yeah. Okay. He's been there forever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So there. Uh, so back then, Boston was basically an island. I, I say that it was a big island with just a tiny little stretch of land that stretched to the mainland. And so the question was, are the British going to march on that tiny little strip of land? Or are they going to go across the river? And so it was one lantern if they were going to go by land, two mm -hmm. lanterns by sea. That's, mm -hmm. There's that famous line where one if by land, two if by sea. So they went by sea. They noticed that the British Navy put some boats in the water on April 18th, 1775. And so they knew, all right, two by sea. So Paul Revere had two men climb the church that night, Robert Newman and John Poling Jr., like I said before. And they snuck inside the church's front door. They locked it behind them. They climbed up the staircases. And they got to the top of the Old North Church, which at the time was the tallest building in the church. Okay. So you could see it from a far away. Tallest building in the city? Sorry, tallest building in the city. You might right. want to re-say that. It was for the editing. tallest building church. <laughs> no, I'm not editing any of this. It was the tallest building in the whole city of Boston okay. was the Old North Church. Gotcha. And so once they were on top, they, they lit these two lanterns and held them out of the window facing towards Charlestown just for a minute. Literally 60 seconds is all they did, and then they snuffed them out. But that's all it took for all those riders to see, and they all headed out in different directions telling people that the British were, become, the British were uh, starting to head towards Concord. When Paul... Go ahead. You know what really would have been awful? What's if that? the two guys in the steeple... 
would have been standing so close together that the people from a distance couldn't see right. that it was two separate lights yeah. and they thought it was one. Oh, I thought like this. What if they lit one? Could you imagine? It would have changed the course of history. Right. What if, or what if they lit one and hung it up and then went to go light the other one and it wouldn't light? And so they saw one, and, and maybe by the time, maybe wow. some British people walking by said, hey, there's lanterns, maybe they're giving away something, and because they weren't able to light the second one, but yeah, just, but obviously they, they were, it worked. they were able it worked. to light the two lanterns, and Paul Revere, he, he crossed over to the Charlestown nearly an hour later, and he was told that the lights had been seen, and men were already riding, uh, he got a horse, and he began his own ride, which is the famous one where he definitely ran through, uh, rode on the horse saying the British are coming, which more than likely he didn't say that. He said probably said the Redcoats were coming because they were all British. So he probably said the Redcoats are coming and stuff like that. Uh, but the message spread as far north as New Hampshire and as far south as Connecticut. So the next morning, April 19th, 1775, when the 700 British troops arrived in Lexington, uh, which is right near Concord, they did not find a sleeping village like they had hoped. Instead, they found an armed and waiting militia. Mm. And the first shots uh, were fired that morning of the American Revolutionary War. So from so I say all that to say that from General Thomas Gage's own church and from King George III's own church, the American Revolutionary War was ignited. Wow. That's good stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff. By the way, I looked it up, and he does look like Jack Black. Spot on. Paul Revere is, he might be a relative. Jack Black should go to Ancestry.com yeah. and see if Or if they ever a, do some kind of like American Revolutionary War with like with maybe one of the more modern actors in it, Jack Black should 100%. He should be Paul Revere. Be Paul Revere. Totally agree. All right, well, hey, let me share something with you that I uh, came across that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, back on July 20th, 1775, the First Continental Congress called for what they called a day of humiliation okay. and fasting. Now, I— Humiliation. Yeah, humiliation. Uh, I think that's a, a just basically basically saying we're humbling ourselves before right. God. And I think we've kind of changed gonna, that word as the yeah, years have gone by. Yeah, humiliation has taken a much more yeah. negative— Right. Uh, connotation to it. But this is what they called it, a day of humiliation and fasting. And when was this again? July 20, uh, 1775. Okay, so this is just after the war had started, but not before, like, the Declaration of Independence or anything. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, And here's an actual quote uh, that the Continental Congress put out. They said, This Congress, therefore, considering the present critical, alarming, and calamitous state of these colonies— do earnestly recommend that Thursday, the 20th day of July next, be observed by the inhabitants of all the English colonies on this continent as the day of public humiliation, fasting, and prayer, that we may, with united hearts and voices, unfeignedly confess and deplore our many sins and offer up our joint supplications to the all-wise, omnipotent, and merciful disposer of all events." humbly beseeching him to forgive our iniquities, to remove our present calamities, to avert those desolating judgments with which we are threatened, and to bless our rightful sovereign King George III and inspire him with wisdom to discern and pursue the true interest of all his subjects, that a speedy end may be put to the civil discord between Great Britain and the American colonies without further effusion of blood 
between Great Britain and America, the American colonies. Uh, it is recommended to Christians of all denominations to assemble for public worship and to abstain from uh, labor and recreation on said day. Hmm. So basically, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Okay, you have to elaborate. If on that my one. <laughs> people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That's kind gotcha. of the idea, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's not said there, but they're basically saying, okay, we need to understand that we're not all that. Uh, God is. He is sovereign. Mm-hmm. He is in control of the situation, and we need to confess our sins and humble ourselves before him so that he can bless our—well, uh, they weren't a nation yet, but right. bless you know the, the American colonies. And, um, and actually pray for King George. I, yeah, I that's, that's pretty so- cool. So yeah. interesting. They are yeah. literally under a king, mm-hmm. and they're and the war again has already begun. But they're like, you know, we still need to pray for our king, and and hopefully he can rule us well. Is basically what they're saying. Yeah, and I would, you know, I'd be interested to see how many present congressmen we might have that are willing to pray for Vladimir Putin. Mm, yeah, you know, or to pray for. Uh, whatever the dude in Iran's name sure, is. I can't yeah. even think of what his name is right now. But um, anyway, you know, how often do we pray for Kim Jong-un or, or any of those uh, tyrannical right. leaders? So it's it's pretty cool, uh, you know, and, and for people who say, well, you know what, we were established to be free from religion, so we didn't have to, and, and that Christianity was not in the, uh, right. you know, the, the start of, of the United mm-hmm. States of America. The very it, first yeah, Continental yeah, Congress yeah. called but, this day of fasting. But uh, it was a huge hit. Uh, everybody in the, the, the colonies uh, loved it. It was widely observed. Uh, the entire Congress attended two church services together that day. Uh, wow. After this, Congress determined to call for a day of fasting and prayer each spring and a day of thanksgiving and praise each fall. Wow. And they did this for the entire length of the war. That is so cool. Yeah. And at the end of the war, Congress declared two days of Thanksgiving, one on October 11th, 1782, uh, which called for Thanksgiving to the Almighty God and the giver of all good. And then after the Treaty of Paris was signed in September of 1783, uh, they declared that December 11th was a special day of Thanksgiving wow. as well. That's just stuff. You don't hear about that, how they just, yeah. they were very thankful to God. Um, you know, you can call them right or wrong with their beliefs and stuff like that, but they were very thankful to God that uh, with everything that went down. Yeah, they, they certainly they certainly had a... Um, you know, a mindset of recognizing where the blessings came from. It wasn't just something they were doing. Right. They understood that God was in control of the nation uh, or the colonies at that time and uh, certainly was blessing them. Okay. Yep. All right. So my next story uh, happens in New Jersey. This is in 1778. So we're several years into the war. And it's June 28th, 1778. And it's at the bottle, the battle of... I said that last week uh, with the Battle of Jericho. (laughs) Oh, man, we got the Bottle of Jericho right here. This is awesome. The Battle. I need a Bottle of Geritol, maybe, but not Jericho. Pass that around. (laughs) The the Battle of Monmouth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we all know this one. Okay. Uh, It's, again, in New Jersey, and it featured the one and only George Washington. He came with his army of 11,000 soldiers to Monmouth. Uh, to stop the British from reaching New York. Again, this is several years into the war. The British leader was uh, Henry Clinton. 
and under Washington's leadership, they were able to hold off the British attacks. And it cost each side almost equal amount of loss, about 70 soldiers each. And the battle was, oddly, it was a draw. Uh, the sun went down and no real side had made progress. But the, during the night, the British, again, invisible air quotes, they retreated during the night. But it just so happened that the direction in which they retreated was towards New York, which was their initial goal. It was also apparently an incredibly hot battle where actually more people died from the heat than from the actual battle. But our focus of this battle is, is on a nearby church, the Old Tenet Presbyterian Church. And, and again, most of this information comes from their website as well. The building was actually used as a hospital during the battle. And it's, it's listed on the National Registry of Historical Places. And during the battle, the church building was pierced by bullets, which they left in the building for patriotic reasons until they're like, hey, we can't have a building with holes in it. So they repaired it eventually. And as late as 1916, okay, as late as 1916, four cannonballs had been dug up in the church ground during some, like, building operations. And the pews to this day are still scarred by surgeon saws and still have blood stains uh, on the pews. And many of the soldiers who died in that battle are buried in the church graveyard right outside uh, of the building. Wow. But more specifically, there's a story about this one guy, Captain Henry Fontelroy. He actually sat on a grave watching the battle, and a cannonball struck him in the leg and it broke off the top of the tombstone friends i thought you were gonna say his leg yeah I, like it broke off the top of his leg you know <laughs> well, it's like he's sitting on there and struck his leg. okay know, it, it struck his leg and yeah broke off the top of the tombstone okay and good. some friends carried uh him into the the church where the, it was the hospital like i said okay. and the blood stains is his, like it's known as his specific blood stains are still on the church pews today and the tombstone where he was sitting is still broken in half as well to this day and um yeah it's it's still an operational church they still use it and uh, it still has blood stains and and saw scars in the pews every sunday when they worship they they see that permanent memorial to the revolutionary war wow it's one of the interesting things um it took place uh we're almost towards the end of the war here this was june 23rd 1780 in the battle of springfield which also in new jersey right yeah right in new jersey uh it features isaac watts who interestingly enough uh he plays a huge role in this battle but he was already dead for 32 years uh, at this time okay he was a famous writer of hymns oh yeah he wrote hymns so uh sometimes people called him the godfather of english hymnody yeah, of course. We all know that. Right. I mean, That's like, what I call him. I got right. his poster on my wall right there. It's like, right there. Godfather. Every, they totally taught us that in English of and music hymnody. class in high school. Hymnody. Okay. Some of the songs he wrote include Joy to the World. Oh, yeah. And then When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <laughs> when I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When <laughs> what I are you, survey. a children's minister or something? <laughs> okay. Maybe. But uh, so... He actually saved a really key battle in the war. So some of the American ministers, they became military chaplains during okay. the war. Uh, and there was one Presbyterian minister. His name was James Caldwell, famously helped at the Battle of Springfield. Then when he noticed that uh, a company had run out of wadding, which was the paper that they had used to you know, hold the powder in the barrel of the gun. Right. So he ran to a nearby church, uh, which was the Springfield Presbyterian Church. Another Presbyterian church. Yep. And then he took... A pile of hymn books for the job. So when handing out the books, he yelled, "Give them Watts, boys!" So basically, what they're doing, he's <laughs> nice. they're ripping the pages out of the hymns to then use as their uh, loading paper, basically in their guns. And then the colonials won the battle, but as the British left, 
they burnt the town, um, obviously including a church as well. But it was rebuilt, and it still is there today. It's considered a historical landmark, and they are still using it as a functioning church. So this battle, um, interesting, is known as the Forgotten Victory because almost everything after this took place in the south. Uh, but this was the last big battle in the northern colonies. Wow. So these hymns, they were they were known as Isaac Watts hymn books. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's just, that's, you get shot by joy to the world, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, was not written as a Christmas song. Was never intended to be a Christmas song. Did you know that? I did not know that. You think about it. Yeah, the very first line is all there is, joy to the world, the, the Lord, Lord has come. Has come. That's, it. that's it. That's the only, and it doesn't even say he was born. Yeah. I mean, it, people can assume, yeah. It, it's not even a Christmas song. It was never intended to be a Christmas song. But, it, I mean, it's a Christian song. But it's yeah, a Christian it's a song, Christmas but not song. a Christmas song. Interesting. And I would also say that there would be several people who would struggle with using hymnals for such a purpose. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that he runs into a church and grabs the hymns, in which he seems as, I guess he thinks, oh, it's okay enough to use the hymn books. But I would assume that there were also Bibles laying around. Correct. And so, I would at think, least, maybe. Yeah, I would But guess. you know what? They might not have printed Bibles back then as, as much as they do today. True. So maybe not. So maybe but not, even yeah. if there were or weren't, he, he doesn't use those. If there were Bibles available, yeah. he just uses the hymn books. So while the hymns, the hymn books, the hymnals, yeah. contain wonderful songs of the church, yeah. the hymnal in and of itself, in their eyes, was not a sacred book right even though it holds great biblical great truths songs and biblical great truths. songs yes yeah. yes that's just a side note yeah that's yeah. i bet it's super interesting that uh isaac watts again who died almost three decades before this mm -hmm. in a very indirect way helped uh win a battle and was the last big battle of the north give them watts boys give them watts, watts boys if you google that battle that's uh that's like the tagline of that battle you know give i think watts boys some sunday we ought to just do all Isaac Watts songs, and then we'll start off by saying, give him Watts. Give him Watts, boys. <laughs> just a thought. But if anybody knows this battle, that'd be scary. <laughs> We're like, well, give him Watts, boys. Like, oh, no. We'll see who listened to the podcast. That <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we just want to take uh, this opportunity as we close to just say, um, first of all, thank you to all the servicemen and women right. uh, who have laid their lives on the line to protect our freedoms and um, uh, to be able to worship the way that we do, to be able to do a po podcast like this and right. put it out, uh, we would not be able to do things like this if it were not for the brave men and women who are currently serving, who have risked their lives in the past, but then also, especially those who paid the ultimate price in uh, in losing their lives uh, to protect our freedom. So uh, thank you uh, to all who uh, have served or who are currently serving. We really, really appreciate it, and thank you. And that concludes this episode, entry number 98A, Christianity and the Revolutionary War. We are ministers at East Columbus Christian Church in Columbus, Indiana, and we invite you to our services on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 with Sunday school right in between. There are children's church services during those times as well, and we have Sunday evening service at 6 o'clock too. Feel free to contact us at mistinsundayschool at gmail.com. And as always, don't take our word for it. Take God's word for it. Catch you later. Give them watts, boys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Beautiful. People don't realize, but that was the 12th time he tried to say bye. <laughs>